Welcome again to another episode of Ryan Annoys People. This podcast, of course, can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Google Podcasts, CastBox, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go click that subscribe button, listen to um, episodes of the podcast. Uh, I changed the name last week. I would like to, again, give a shout out to Goody for inspiring me to do that. But that's not why we're here. Yesterday was a momentous day in Memphis sports history. Um, uh, Basically 49 years after Memphis played for the national championship against UCLA, 49 years and four days after they played UCLA for that national title in 1973 at the old St. Louis Arena. The Memphis Grizzlies won their very first division title. It was the first professional title, major professional title, in uh, the city's sports history. And to think about where this franchise was and where, you know, having grown up in that city, having grown up in that city, having... Um, growing up in that city and remembering when the Grizzlies came, uh, I remember I was completely upset that the Grizzlies were coming to Memphis. I was like, you know, this team doesn't win. They they didn't win. Like it was, it was Siberia. I mean, Vancouver didn't. You know, Van. They played in Vancouver. And I didn't know anybody on the Grizzlies. Like, if you told me, okay, who plays on the Raptors? There's Vince Carter. This is 2001 we're talking about. Uh, Who plays for the Lakers? Of course, Shaq and Kobe. Who plays for uh, the Pacers? Reggie Miller. Who plays for the Pistons? Jerry Stackhouse. Who plays for um, the Kings? Chris Webber. Who plays for the Rockets? Steve Francis. Who plays for the Mavericks? Michael Finley. I could name a player, at least one player, off of practically every team in the NBA. I could name one off the Grizzlies before before they came to Memphis. Uh, I think, well, I take that back. Not until 2000, 1999, 2000. That's when I was able to name somebody that played for the Grizzlies. I couldn't think of any because... We just knew of them as, oh, yeah, that's that really, really bad team that plays in Canada. I never envisioned that the that um, the Memphis, that the city of Memphis would end up getting the Grizzlies, much less an NBA team. This was a city that tried in vain to get a an, an NFL team. They renovated the, the, um, the, in 1987, they renovated the Liberty Bowl to, um, to, appro- to get the approval of the NFL to come to the city of Memphis. And the only time, only thing that they could do was they were able to get exhibition games because my grandfather and I, we went to a few of those games. I think the uh, I think the Saints played in one. I think the Dolphins played in one. I think the Bears played in one. And 
to be honest, you know, looking at it now, there was no way in the world they were going to put an NFL team in Memphis. The reason why is the Liberty Bowl, if you've never been to Memphis, the Liberty Bowl is smack dab in the hood. You got to build hotel rooms. You got to build hotels. You got to have all kinds of stuff around the Liberty Bowl um, to appeal to the people in the uh, in the NFL that you deserve a team. You know, it's sort of like that's kind of in a way, in an indirect way, that's how Baltimore ended up losing the Colts because Memorial Stadium, as much as people loved it, there was really nothing around Memorial Stadium uh, in the later years. When you have, when you leave a ball, a, a, a game or when you leave a game, you want to be able to go to a hotel, like to hotels. You want to be able to go to uh, restaurants. The only rest, the nearest place to get go for uh, in terms of restaurants was on Young Avenue. If you went west of East Parkway, and you went past, I would say Cox Street, that little stretch of Cooper Young, uh, of Cooper Young was where you had restaurants. And that and that didn't really happen until like 1992, 1993. So that's like you're walking maybe three or four blocks away from the Liberty Bowl to, to check that out. So there was no way they were going to get an NFL team in Memphis. It was just something that Memphis strived for. They didn't want they, the NBA. They People in the city didn't want the NBA in Memphis. A lot of people did not want them uh, a, a pro basketball team. The pro basketball team for so many years, it was the, it was the University of Memphis basketball program. We treated them more like the pro teams. We didn't, you know, the Grizzlies would have been, you know, an NBA team here would have been uh, kind of like in our way. So that being said, when they came, when when the time came and it became apparent that the Hornets. Hornets 1.0 were going to stay in Charlotte for another year that only left the Grizzlies and instead of them going to Louisville they had a chance to go to St. Louis but they did not want the same problems that they had um, that they had in Vancouver when if they had gone to St. Louis, because the Kill Center, I still call it the Kill Center. The Kill Center was built for hockey. It was never built for basketball. St. Louis University moved to the Kill Center because it was kind of a package deal, and it looked like the Grizzlies were going to go to St. Louis, but again, they didn't want to share the arena with another hockey team. Eventually, St. Louis University got their own arena. They It took them years to get an on-campus arena, the Chafiz Arena, and the Grizzlies, of course, ended up moving to Memphis, and then in 2004, they ended up getting their own, um, their own arena. So, all in all, that did work out in that did work out for St. Louis University for the St. Louis University basketball program 
the Grizzlies, and so forth. But I, I, I remember being like, we have a team, Memphis is in the NBA, and we have a team that, and we got the team that loses. And it used to be, it was in those days, before, you know, before, of course, now, the only time people, a lot of people would go to Memphis basketball games, like, I didn't know any, I knew a few diehard Grizzly fans, and, you know, apart from those people, I didn't know that many diehard Grizzly fans. Um, I didn't. I basically knew a lot of Laker fans, I knew a lot of Laker, Laker fans, I knew some Spur fans, I knew some Rocket fans. I didn't know anybody that rooted for the, was, I didn't know too many diehard Grizzly fans. And it used to be when the Grizzlies were really bad, they used to have, they used to promote the stars of the opposing team. So the only time, some a lot of times, the only time you would see, um, the uh, the pyramid and later on the form packed was when uh, Shaq and Kobe would come, or later on it became LeBron when LeBron would come to uh, when LeBron would come to Memphis. It was packed. People wanted to see those. They wanted to see the stars. They wanted to see Carmelo. Some people, you know, I would have friends. You know, this was even at Christian Brothers. They would tell me, "Hey, I want to go see Allen Iverson. I want to go see Carmelo Anthony. I want to see." Uh, Dwayne Wade. That was how it was. There was never any star or anything of that nature that made you become like a diehard Grizz fan. I was never a person that people would be like, well, you gotta support your city. I never really bought into the whole, I'm gonna support my hometown team. I never really bought into that. Um, I can tell you personally, I was hard on the Grizzlies. I was brutal on the Grizzlies because I was like, I want us, I, I look at San, I, look, I was like, look at San Antonio. What was San Antonio known for before the Spurs got really, really good? They were just known for the rodeo. What was, what was the city of Memphis known for? What is the city of Memphis known for? If you take away the Grizzlies, what do you know the city of Memphis for? Oh yeah, we're on the river. We're the home of the blues. It's the home of Elvis. That's it. That's what you knew the city for. And I'm like, think about how amazing it would be. And I was like, I was being hard on them for a reason. I was being brutal on the city and I was being brutal on the Grizzlies for a reason. I say, think about what can happen if the Grizzlies drafted somebody who embraced the city and who was and also really good and take the team to places that they had never been before. Yes, we, we you know, we'll, there will always be a spot in people in the city's heart for Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, Marcus Saul, and Tony Allen. There's gonna always be that heart. That's biting the heart for them. But they weren't, but, you know, apart from Mike Conley, those other three, they weren't drafted. They weren't 
like drafted by the Grizzlies. They, the the stars that are there, the the stars that the the uh, not the stars, but those guys they weren't drafted by the Grizzlies, except for Mike Conley. So it wasn't like they grew up with all four players. They grew up, yes, the, the team and the fans did grow up with Mike Conley, but apart from Mike Conley, everybody else, they were free agent or free agent acquisitions or trade ac- free agent or trade acquisitions. They weren't they weren't homegrown talent. And I think what you see now in Memphis is something that we that people thought would happen with Rudy Gay. They thought it would happen with Kyle Lowry. They thought it would happen with Xavier Henry. I was one of those people that was very high on Xavier Henry. They thought it would happen with Hashim Tabust. They thought it would happen. Um, they, you know, they thought it would. Ha- they thought it would happen with those guys, and it didn't happen with those guys. You know. Rudy Gay didn't win a playoff game in Memphis. Neither did Kyle Lowry. Um, Xavier Henry, I don't know where he is. I think he's bagging groceries now. Hashim Tabus, he's probably on a milk cart. He's probably driving an Uber somewhere in um, Houston, I guess. This is the first time that a homegrown talent, and you build it with not just a homegrown talent, but a superstar. Like, Ja Morant is a superstar. This is the first time you've seen, been able to see a superstar, homegrown superstar, represent the city of Memphis. Not a guy from Memphis representing another team, but a guy that is homegrown in the Memphis organization repping this team and taking this team to Heights that nobody would have envisioned because I'm old enough to remember when you had to beg people to go to Tiger, not Tiger uh, basketball games, Memphis Grizzlies games. It was the same way with Memphis football games. I remember um, the story, and, and if you ever, if you not familiar with Memphis, I went to Christian Brothers University. I attended school at Christian Brothers University. Well, there was an an apartment complex, the Avery Avenue apartment complex. I live right behind it, uh, right near the school. And Avery Apartments was up at Avery and Hollywood. And right down the street was the Liberty Bowl. And again, as I told you guys earlier, there's nothing around the Liberty Bowl except a park, the Children's Museum, there's a Dollar General, and there's Tiger Lane, but back then they didn't even have Tiger Lane. They just they were starting work on Tiger Lane. Well, one Tuesday night, Memphis was playing East Carolina. This is in football, and only four thousand people showed up. Four thousand people in a sixty-five thousand seat stadium looks like four hundred people. And. I say that because the way that the Grizzlies were, the Grizzlies and Memphis football were, were a, they were a complete joke 
They were a complete joke. And it's kind of hard to imagine that was like a decade ago. It's hard to imagine that Memphis, the Grizzlies and Memphis Tiger football have done some things that I never thought would happen. The Memphis Tiger football program has been to eight straight bowl games. Up until that point, they had gone to six. They went to six in eight years. They went to six in eight years. That was uh, from 2000, 2002 to 2010. They went to six in eight years. And they were little rinky-dink ass bowls, but that was a big deal for the University of Memphis football program. The Grizzlies, up until 2011, had never won a playoff game. They went to three straight playoff made three straight playoff appearances. They played. They have played in a conference final more recently than the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks have not played in a conference final since 2000 when they beat the Indiana Pacers. Imagine telling somebody in 2000 that the Grizzlies would have gotten to a conference final more recently, more recently than... The New York Knicks, the Philadelphia 76ers, um, the Detroit Pistons. The last time the Pistons went to a conference final was in 2000. I want to say 2008 was the last time they went. We're talking about bedrock franchises. Like franchises, like iconic franchises. The Pistons, the Knicks, uh, the Pistons, Knicks, Sixers. The Grizzlies have been to a conference final more recent, more recently than those three teams. Imagine telling somebody that back in 2000. Imagine telling somebody in 2000 that the Grizzlies would have the number two seed in the Western Conference. When you thought of the number two with the Grizzlies back in the day, it was lottery picks. The story that everyone always talks about is the day that Hashim Tabus got drafted. And I didn't even notice until Chris Vernon said it. The day that they drafted Hashim Tabus, the night that Michael Jackson died, Michael Jackson's death was announced. I want to say 30 minutes before the NBA draft, 45 minutes before the NBA draft. And I didn't notice until 2010 or 2011 was when um, it was when Chris Vernon talked. Said, he brought it up on Twitter. I was like, wow, I never knew this. And for years, everyone panned the, the uh, for a couple of years everyone panned the, the the draft pick because Steph Curry was in that draft Tyreek Evans was in that draft um let's see who else James Harden was in that draft Blake Griffin was in that draft there were a lot of great players in that draft and the Grizzlies ended up drafting Hashim to beat and you know Looking at it now, I think if you look at it in a big picture sense, I think that draft pick 
that draft pick to me probably changed the direction of this franchise and i think the and and i think also that was the first step the second thing was the game against the kings 2010 this was right after christmas me and um Nico, my man's Nico, we used to talk. We would talk about Grizz. We would talk about every time the Grizzlies would play, we would talk. He knew I wasn't that much of a Grizz fan. I was more of a critic because it just seemed like this franchise just could not get off the ground. This was a franchise that was just a complete joke. The Grizzlies are playing the Sacramento Kings at Arco Arena. And this was before Twitter got big to where it is now. Here's what happens. O.J. Mayo hits what I th- what we think is a um, is a, um, a a game winning shot, and the sideline reporter, the reporter I believe for the Kings, he gets he comes out. Gets comes from he comes he steps out onto the court, but then he goes back. He goes back, goes back to you know, back to the sideline. They inbound the ball. Tyreek Evans, the same Tyreek Evans that everybody wanted, drafted by the Grizzlies, gets the ball. They they get it inbound to Tyreek Evans. He has. Only a split second to get the ball, to get to uh, heave the shot. Ball, he heaves this shot. It goes straight in. And I remember calling Nico, and I say, Nico, this has to be one of the lowest points in the history of this franchise. When you have a guy that you could have drafted beat you like that that's a very low point and I'm like this franchise will never get it together of course you guys know the story what happened later on they went on this unbelievable run they win a playoff game as the 8th seed they beat the Spurs who still had Manu Ginobili Tony Parker LaMarcus Aldridge I think was on that team Tim Duncan they still they ended up winning a playoff series and they took game seven they took the Oklahoma City Thunder to game seven and I always believe that that moment right there that that year was when Memphis and the Grizzlies they they that was when the love affair began it didn't begin when they got the team because for 10 years the first 10 years that the Grizzlies were here and meant was were was in, were in Memphis. They didn't do anything. Yeah, they went to three playoff series. They went to the playoffs three times, but they lost all three times. They never won. A, they didn't win a playoff game. The moment that Friday, they uh, the Friday of the conference semifinal, they were playing in Memphis. They played at the FedEx Forum, and there was a chant in Tiger Lane. And Tiger Lane is uh, where they had the. The, the the barbecue cooking contest, the year uh the year that the um that 
the river crested. And if you guys remember, the river had crest. It didn't flood. The city, everyone has said, made it look like the city of Memphis flooded. No, we didn't flood. It was just Riverside Drive. I'm watching the Grizzlies take on the Thunder. This is during the Kevin Durant and Russell, West, West, uh, Russell Westbrook era. What ends up happening is that there was a chant where it was See You Sunday. See You Sunday. They won it a game seven. It was the first time a Memphis major, a major professional team in the city of Memphis, repping the city of Memphis, got to a game seven. It was also, I think, the first time that a Tennessee team forced a Tennessee major pro team forced a game seven. I, I have to do my research. But that right there, that run, the Believe Memphis 2011 run, it gave people something to hold on to. And... 11 years later, you're seeing a reincarnation of that. Except this time, it's Ja Moran. It's Dylan Brooks. It's a whole list of characters that learned and saw what happened in 2011. It's a new cast of characters. And me being a native Memphian, I am ecstatic for the Grizzlies. I'm ecstatic for the fans. I don't know how Memphis would look if they ever won the NBA title. We never you you, you have to realize this before I before I close this podcast. The city of Memphis has only won fourteen maybe what fifteen professional championships. Most of it was in baseball. Uh, the old Memphis Chicks won eleven of the uh, won nine of those championships, and then they had the Memphis Blues. The Memphis Blues played in the Texas League. They won a, a championship, uh, a pair of titles, and then the Redbirds have won, I think four. They won in two thousand. They won in two thousand nine. Then they won in 2017 and 2017 and 2018. They won back-to-back titles. So, that being said, winning a minor league championship is not the same as as um, as winning a, a major title, a major professional title. You know, New Orleans has done it. New Orleans did it. In baseball, they won a major professional title, and they won a minor minor league title. But in terms of the value of it, winning a minor league title is the equivalent of winning an NIT title. When you win a major professional championship, that carries a lot more cachet. You see it. Um, you seen you seen it with Cleveland, Cle- the Cleveland sports curse. When they broke, when they ended that curse with the with what uh, the Cavaliers did, that took you know that carried more than if they if if a Cleveland minor league team won a championship. 
You know, they never counted the minor league titles. They only counted the major titles, even though Cleveland um, has a really good minor league hockey history. So Memphis winning an NBA title would carry so much cachet. And, and, and it would be amazing to see a parade down Bill Street. I saw what happened in Milwaukee when you had all those people celebrating. You saw it in Toronto when you had all those people in Toronto celebrating. And even in L.A., even though it was a weird-ass year, a weird-ass NBA final, they still those people still celebrate. Like, when you win a championship, that joy... When you win a championship, the joy that that city has is indescribable. I've never seen it happen. I've seen it happen at the. Uh, I've seen it happen at. I've never seen a championship parade except, you know, my high school doing it. My high school winning a, a state championships. That's different. You know, that's a um, different ball game. But when but when it's a major championship, it's amazing. You know. I've seen a I've been to St. Louis when the Cardinals won. And seeing all those people on Market Street celebrating people hanging out of the the watching from the parking garages around Bush Stadium. I'm like I can only imagine when Memphis and even now here in New Orleans when you see something like that cuz I heard stories about how people were when the Saints won the Super Bowl. And people to this day, even though it's been over a decade, they still tell me, they still tell me, people still tell me stories. I still, people still have memories of that day because it was something that no one thought would ever happen. So, that being said, thank you for your time this time. Stay tuned, uh, not stay tuned, but uh, thank you for your time this time. And as always, we will see you down the road.